Horror Stories. Uh, today we have a special guest, Jay Darius. Hey everyone, how you doing? Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Yeah, definitely. Today, Jay Darius will be covering uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Yes, sir. Why this song? As we always like to start off, why this song? Yeah, um, What's Going On is actually an interesting story because in high school, I always sung baritone. And so it was like, what pop songs are out there that I can sing really well? And I was always struggling with that. And then I, it wasn't until college, I was like, oh my gosh, this Marvin Gaye man, like he's, I, we got similar voice type here. So I started diving into his songs and found what's going on. And I just love the message of what's going on. And it's just so interesting that the song What's Going On was <laughs> written, you know, decades ago. But it's still, I mean, every time I sing it, it's still so relevant to uh, what's going on in our current climate. So it's just a song I like to keep with me, and I pretty much sing it. It's always, always on my set list. So, uh, yeah, that's why it's kind of like twofold. It's like vocally, I'm like, yes, this is this feels good to my throat. And then, like, the lyrical content as well is like, yeah. Oh, and a third piece is that it's really groovy yeah. at the same time. So it just, like, checks all of my boxes. So, yeah, that's why I really love this song and glad to cover it. That's awesome. I, I feel like this song is one of those songs that, like, everybody knows, but I can't, I don't recall anybody saying they, they're sick of it. Mm, that's very true. Yeah, no, it, and it's, it's so generational, you know, like, because sometimes I have older folks in my shows, younger folks, folks, you know, in their 30s and 40s, and everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. They're familiar with it. It means something different to them, especially like older folks um, who are around in the 60s and 70s. You know, when they hear that song, it kind of strikes a chord with them. And then for those of us who grew up in the 2000s when they had um, the the bombing of the World Trade Center, they came out with another version of that song. So it kind of just hits people in different places. And I think that's why I always want to keep it on my set list because it just touches everyone differently, and it, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, 13 or, or 83. There's going to be some connection with that song, that feeling, Marvin Gaye, you know, what he means to R&B, neo-soul, soul music. Um, so, yeah, it's just such a, it's just a perfect song. <laughs> yeah, it, it's evergreen. I mean, that's that's the thing about it. I mean, there is obviously a, a social component to mm-hmm. it, and that's what it was written for, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that later, but... um. The, it's also a love song, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's universal and it can speak to so many different perspectives. Yeah, and I, I love music like that. And so that what kind of draws me to it as well. It's like I want to make music that's similar in that vein where it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. It's like when you hear this music, you hear that voice, it's like, ah, something about it's going to connect. Like the lyrics are going to hit, the music is going to hit, the vocal, the vocal arrangements. So it's like Marvin Gaye's like, you know, just someone to aspire to be like um, how he took his craft so seriously and just always wanted to be, you know, conscious of what he was putting, whether it was a love song or, you know, a more social conscious song. Uh, I just think that's just a great thing to aspire to and as an artist. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about this song, and we kind of talked about this a little bit mm-hmm. earlier before we started recording, is that how this was kind of a turning point for him. He was doing, I mean, he's, this is still a Motown album. Sure. But it's definitely, you know, it's more socially conscious. Mm-hmm. He definitely had to got to like have his cake and eat it too with it. Yeah, and it, it, you know, when he first presented this style in this, you know, vein, it was like, ah, uh, you know, where the Motown hits people, you know, yeah. like that's what we do. 
the Supremes, you know, uh, the Temptations. Like, this is what we do. We make hits. And it's like, well, yes, but, you know, there's something that we got to talk about. And I think um, another artist I really like is Nina Simone, who was always like, yes, I'm an artist, but I'm living in this time. You know, like, I can't just create this music and act as if things around me aren't happening. And so that's what I, I really loved about, like, their passion and focus, and especially when he kind of switched over into this and you have What's Going On and Mercy, Mercy Me and these songs that really just, like, changed the trajectory of his career um, and what it did for music to show, like, you know, a black man, a R&B artist, you know, to start diving into, um, you know, just more socially focused music. Um, I think has, you know, led to us having the John Legends of today and, you know, people like that who are really, you know, yes, they make their love songs, but they also have some songs that make you think. And I, I, I glean from that because I'm like, I want my music to make people think, you know, whether that is about love or whatever about themselves or the world. Like, I want you to think like, man, when he wrote these lyrics, you know, there's some depth to them. It wasn't just like. La di da ba ba ba. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think that the thing that's interesting about the song is, uh, so it was originally written by a guy named Al Cleveland uh, when he talked to Obi Benson from the Four Tops, mm. and that uh, the Four Tops were on their tour bus and they witnessed the uh, like 1968 protest in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. They witnessed all the police brutality, and Benson decided to write the song with Al Cleveland. The Four Tops didn't want to touch it. They were <laughs> just like, "We don't do protest songs." And he has this really great quote that kind of made me realize what we were talking about earlier is that, you know, it's a love song. It's about mm-hmm. love and understanding. I'm not protesting. I just want to know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the line um, where it talks about, we need more love. We need more understanding. And um, it's just so, but like I said, like Motown was hit. So I can understand the four tops being like, Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not trying to get into that. Uh, we're here to just make the next hit. It's going to hit the radio. Um, But I mean, that's kind of like the courage of an artist, you know, for Marvin Gaye to see the song, take the song, interpret the song in his own style, you know, is is brave and bold and risky because, you know, it could have completely backfired. And everyone was like, oh, why are you doing that? Stick to the love songs, you know? So it's just I love to see artists who, you know, aren't afraid to take the risk and put out a more controversial song or put, you know, put those lyrics in there. Where it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta listen to the song again and think about like what we're really talking about here. So yeah, I just it's it's remarkable what it takes, uh, what you know, taking the the step and being brave can do, and like I said, change change his career. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too because he, I, from what I've read, I've read different things, but he was a little skeptical at first mm-hmm. when him and Barry Gordy were already clashing. Mm-hmm. Barry Gordy, like you said, is very hits, hits, that's it. You know, he didn't want to mess with the formula. Mm-hmm. And um, But uh, apparently, because he had tried out for the Detroit Lions, <laughs> I don't know what the timeline is, but I, he was became friends with two players, um, Lem Barney and Mel Farr. Mm-hmm. And apparently when they heard it, they're like, you have to do this song. Uh. <laughs> so he asked, uh, you know, um, Obi and, and Al Cleveland, you know, can I get a writing credit? So mm-hmm. he, he did add some other words. Mm-hmm. And it's I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about it, and the part where he switches from mother to father, mm. that's also simultaneously a an appeal to his dad, who mm. he had obviously a rough relationship, yes, yes. to say the least. Yes. 
and you know things would have to escalate mm-hmm. and it's just it's so like there's dramatic irony in that now and it's so foretelling and it's it's just more heartbreaking i think now knowing yeah and i think you know being able to interweave those ideas of like mother father because then you're also thinking about you know he calls out the brothers the sisters so it's like oh there's a global aspect to this song you know like it's not just personal but then at the same time it is personal you know like we don't have to do this we can you know walk in love we can you know, not get into war and fight. So it's just, I mean, that's the beauty of a brilliant writer, you know, who can take something and say, it means this, but it also means this. And when certain people hear it, it'll hit them a certain way. And, um, you know, I think artists like Prince were really good at that. It's like, wait a minute, what what does this mean? (laughs) Like, what does this mean to me? What does it mean to them? What does it mean to other people? Like, just the thinking of like those cry or something like that. It's just like, it means so many things to different people. So when you perform it, it's just, it's touching everybody in some way. And I just think that's the beauty of, you know, lyricism and really being serious about your lyrics. Yeah, definitely. I think that, like you said, I mean, the best writers, not just songwriters, but writers in general can make the specific universal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's a, a way where it, it's, it's sincere and it's coming directly from them. But, a million people can listen to it and get a million different things out of it. It's just that that's just the genius of writing. And then you pair that with lyric and, and harmony and vocal arrangement. It's like music is just, it's just so beautiful. It's just yeah. so amazing. <laughs> like, you know, cause I, sometimes I feel like, yeah, my songs are, some of them are more poems than songs, but then you take that poetry, those lyrics, and then you can, flip it and add and and grow and just develop a whole entire song that makes people feel something just like they would if they read the poetry. But, you know, music even has another language that speaks to people who maybe don't even understand what language you're singing in. Like it still can affect them in some way. So yeah, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's fun. I always come back to this this story about, I have a friend who dated an art major Mm. And they would go to these art museums and they would look at the like the the complex stuff, the more mm-hmm. like uh, what's the word? It's the abstract stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, This is this is trash. My nephew could do this. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, No, it's not about how it it's not about what it is or how it long it took. It's about how it makes you feel. Mm. And there are varying degrees to that, sure, obviously. Sure. But that's how music is too. Yeah. Like that's why you can have a song that's just three chords. Mm-hmm rudimentary like basic singing and it still can like melt your heart you know every single time you hear it and that's it's just it's just powerful and like you said it can it can be very simple and some of the best songs ever written are very simple it's just a piano and a voice it's just a guitar and a voice that's it but i mean if you look at an adele she is a prime example of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's how she sings it. It's what it means when it pricks you. That makes you go, I'm going to listen to this 21 album another 20,000 times because it's just hitting me, you know? And and she's she's definitely living proof of that. You know, the John Legends, the Alicia Keys, who are, you know, they have big songs, but they really have those piano voice songs that make you go, oh my gosh, like, what yeah (laughs) what let me listen to this again and again and again and it's just so it's just cool because again like 
people say it's it, these are all the notes of music like there aren't any more notes that we're making so yeah. we're all taking the same notes and just mixing them up in our own way and being creative so like like she says she's like it's not about how it is it's how it makes you feel it's like it's the same notes like all the songs are the same yeah. notes. but what did this artist do that makes it just give it that little mm, for just that little uniqueness to it um that makes it so impactful yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of it is the storytelling aspect of it. Sometimes mm. it's, I mean, sometimes it's just you pair the, a specific voice with a specific sound. Mm. I think that that's kind of what I love about music and why I try to diversify as much as possible mm. because there are songs that hit me when I was a teenager that still mean a lot to me. Definitely. And I listen to it now. I'm just like, man, like this is like, this is about getting broken up with in middle school. <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> yes. But it still means something to me. Definitely. There's definitely even songs that I have like on my phone that sometimes I hear I'm like, I can't listen to that right now because <laughs> it's gonna make me feel a certain type of way. Like I'm like, I remember where I was at when I was listening to that song, what that song meant to me. And it's like, I'm not trying to be emotional right now. So I need to change <laughs> this song. <laughs> Cause it, you know, it, it's just crazy the power of music and how it really kind of like seeps down into you and um, you'll hear a song and it'll just be like, you'll know it by like the first chord. You're like, Oh, that's the song that makes me feel like this. And, um, but I think that's the beauty of it as well as artists that we get to impact people in that way that when my song starts to play, they go, you know, they take that breath and they're like, Oh, I'm ready to listen to this and get into it. Or, Oh, this song is really going to help me. and I'm going to feel better after listening to it or whatever. And so it's just like artists have such a unique power in that. And it's, it's just remarkable that, you know, you can create something that you wrote in your, on your couch and people are like, I love this song. It speaks to me. It's like, what? <laughs> just, <laughs> I just wrote this at one in the morning. Just, I don't know, bored. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's cool. And I think the thing that I, I appreciate about your music is you've got a 90s kind of R&B mm-hmm. vibe, but it doesn't sound dated. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love 90s R&B and I, like even the emergence of Neil Soul with like Lauren Hill, Erica Badu, Music Soul Child. It's like, that that just pricked me. I was like, oh, this, I like this. <laughs> and so I've kind of kept that with me. Um, but now, now you know, things are more digital. And, you know, so I, I try to marry the two of, you know, the more digital sound, the more authentic sound, keeping those like vocal harmonies and things like that. Um, it's just, it's an interesting space that we're in because we have artists like her who are just like, crazy musicians crazy vocalists and then you have like the Giveons who are like in this baritone r&b lane and so it's like whoa there's just so many directions that you can go so i think i try to be like a marriage of many of those different things and it's funny because i i've i remember reading tweets about how like 90s hip-hop and 90s r&b is mm. now the dad rock of our generation <laughs> like <laughs> that's all the stuff that like the parents now listen to yeah and, but it, and, and it could just be because now like it's my generation too mm-hmm. it's our generation you know but it doesn't feel as like silly you know mm. as, as the other stuff from before but, but it's also so interesting that a lot of the 70s and 80s music is current music because if you take like a charlie puth or you know dua lipa 
all they're doing is 80s music. The weekend. I mean, it's like I hear I'm like, this is nothing but 80s music <laughs> that they like, you know, added a special flair to and, you know, made it more digital and modern. But I'm like, this is this is 80s, you know. Yeah, I mean the synth work, especially you know, I'm talking about the weekend because mm-hmm. uh, I can't even remember the name of that song, but I I thought that was an 80s song, like the first time I heard it. And yes. I hear him singing, I'm like, wait, this is the weekend. Yes, what? it's it's insane. So it's like, though that sound is dated, it it's being you know remixed in a way to be current pop music. It's like, oh my gosh, it's just. I see what y'all are doing here. <laughs> There's definitely a cycle. I, mean, I think mm. it's like a 20-year cycle where everything doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it gets recycled. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I hear that a lot. I think in the turn of the 2000s, there were a lot more synths being added. There was sure. a lot more. It's not a new wave-ish, you know? Sure. And I think it's cool now because I feel like the younger generation especially, I don't know if they're doing this subconsciously because mm. you can don't do like – there's certain artists that are out now, and then they'll talk to them like, "Oh, like this sounds like Madonna," and they're mm. like, "Who?" You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> like, Wait, true. First of all. That's true. Right. The biggest issue is that you don't know yeah. who that is. But right, Madonna. Let's go back and <laughs> look at 1986 and see what was happening in the world then. And I think that's tr- very true. Um, like late 90s, uh, early 2000s hip hop samples so much of that 60s, 70s, 80s. R&B, funk, um, psychedelic music, that you're like, that sounds really good. Where did they get this from? You know, or like now they'll sample stuff and have little things, little voices in there. You're like, but what's the original song of this? So, and and I kind of feel two ways about that as well. It's like, okay, sometimes the sample is great. And you're like, thank you for using this the right way. The music still sounds good. The song is good. And sometimes I'm like, uh, I wish they would not have messed with this because this is just fine how it is. I think there's a DJ Khaled song that samples a Luther Vandross song. And I was like, I get what you're trying to do here, but let's just leave this song alone. Like, (laughs) it's Luther and, like, it was great then, still great, you know. And those are songs to me that, you know, don't necessarily need to be touched because, like, the song is still good. You could play it right now, and it's like, dang, who is that? You know, and it was made in 1975. And, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, like, there's just songs and groups where I'm just like, oh, don't mess with that. You know, and like, just leave it alone. The original is going to be the original forever. So it's kind of like twofold with the sampling and the, uh, like, remixing of stuff. It's like, oh, this is great because introducing this to TikTok kids. Oh yeah. But then it's like, oh, don't don't mess up my old music. <laughs> That's good to me. <laughs> it's it's interesting too cuz I do feel like there are like a lot of younger millennials, especially like a lot of young rappers mm-hmm. who when you talk to them about the samples, it's not even like they're like, "Oh yeah, like my producer put this there." Like, "Oh yeah, no, my mom had this in her record mm-hmm. collection." Mm-hmm. I mean, Tired of Creators is I think the perfect example mm. of somebody who just if you talk to him about the samples he uses, he knows when it was recorded. Yeah. He knew what album. He knew. He might even know the personnel who was on that album. And and that I, I like a lot. You know, folks who will at least go and, like, research the music and not just be like, oh, no, sounds good. Yeah. It's like, well, yes, but did it have, you know, something that it originated from? Like, can you point back to that? Do you have any, you know, familiarity with that kind of music? 
But yeah, no, I love stuff like that when I see folks who are like, oh yeah, this was written by James Brown, came out in whatever, whatever. He performed, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> it makes me, even if I don't like the song, it makes me feel better that, you know, it's being used in a proper way. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that there's, it goes the other way too, in a sense that there are a lot of older musicians who they don't, they're not sitting there trying to like be young, but they mm-hmm. definitely embrace the young. I feel sure. like, George Clinton is like one of the best examples of that because he produced a Red Eyes Chip Leppers album in like the eighties <laughs> and you know, these these dorky guys from California and like he's like, Oh, you like my music, cool. cool. I'm gonna try to help you guys out. It's yeah, I mean, and I think that's that makes it like full circle, you know, because music is ever growing in some ways and you know, changing and evolving, but there's still like a foundation to it. And like especially, you know, older generations like that, it's like y'all are part of my musical foundation so if you can impact another artist like that's awesome like I I want you to do that because it just keeps that that connection there between you know generations and all that kind of stuff I really think is is cool and I love to see people like collaborating and reaching out to you know the older artists who you know I didn't grow up listening to but I'm still familiar with like your Tina Turner's and you know I didn't grow up listening to her music, but I love her music, and I love to see, like, they're doing a Broadway show of Tina. I'm like, what? That's insane. <laughs> and, like, you know, that introduces her to so many new people, you know, young folks who don't never heard of Tina Turner. It's like, oh, she's one of the greatest. But I love stuff like that that, like, keeps keeps them alive. Yeah, and I think it's it's just so fun to to see that interaction, especially when it's something that you don't expect. Yeah, I never would have thought Tina Turner as a Broadway show. Like I was like, oh, but also, yes, like, <laughs> duh, like, that makes sense. She had a very interesting life. She's an amazing performer. You know, she toured the world. It's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's marketable. Like, do it. I want to <laughs> I want to see it. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just crazy how how things come about. And but I love that. It continues like a legacy, you know, especially now they're doing more biopics and things like that, you know, just to expose people to artists and musicians that they may have never heard of. Like they have some really good documentaries on Netflix. Um, Nina Simone is one of them. They have one on Sam Cooke, you know, it's like, and Sam Cooke, you know, his life was cut way, way too short. But, you know, it's good that, that, that these things are, you know, sitting out there now that you can just go look at. I just watched on Hulu. I uh, was called Summer of Soul. Quest loves Duck. Oh yeah. my gosh! I watched it, but I need to. Oh my gosh! It's <laughs> so good. It's so good. And the way that that festival came together, so many artists were there um, that are just they're classic. They're so classic. Their music is classic, and it's bananas that they just came to New York in Harlem. They they literally come on stage and sing one song and leave. I'm like, <laughs> why is Gladys Knight in the Pip singing one song and walking off? I need five, at least, <laughs> at least five songs. So it, it's just crazy. But no, I mean, but I never knew about it. I never heard of it. And so to watch the documentary on it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is history, musical history that I didn't even know about. So it's just awesome that, like, those types of things are happening where people are getting serious and putting money behind these documentaries, these stories, these biopics, 
Um, like, you know, Jennifer Hudson's about to come out as Aretha Franklin. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yes, like Aretha Franklin should have already had a movie. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's great. And even like Cynthia Revo did a version of Aretha too. Um, it was like a mini series. But it's just, you know, keeping them alive, keeping their music alive because they're such such foundational artists, I feel, to to every genre that they're a part of. I'm glad you brought up the Aretha biopic because mm-hmm. biopics are obviously have this tendency to be like overblown and cheesy, mm-hmm. but it's still fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. And in reading about Marvin Gaye, I'm surprised no one's even, I, like I haven't read anything about someone pitching it. And it, it doesn't make sense. I it, feel like Morris Chestnut is still young enough to ooh. play him. <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta have good actors. <laughs> and then, then that's the thing about biopics, right? It's like, you kind of want someone who looks like them, but then you also want a good actor. Yeah. So it's like usually one of those gives and yeah. you're like, oh, well, they made a movie and that's good. <laughs> um, or like they're a fantastic singer, but they're not really a great actor. Yeah. And then you have a great actor who's like lip singing over someone else's voice. Like, oh man, it, it's hard to, to marry all of those things because... It's crazy how artists just embody all of that, you know, like they're great performers, great singers. They look a certain way. It's just like, oh, how do you do it? But uh, yeah, no, really excited about it. And just, you know, a lot of people were trying to like pin Cynthia Revo and um, Jennifer Hudson like against each other because they were both coming out with Aretha, you know, tribute movies and stuff. I'm like, let's just be glad that there's multiple. Like, let's just yeah. be glad that their artists. I mean, Cynthia Erivo sounded amazing. I mean, every song, I was like, my goodness, you know? But she's like, I grew up listening to Aretha Franklin. And like, this is my thing. I'm like, yeah, let these artists perform. Let them just have it. And at least we can say, look, you can look at this option. You can look at this. Maybe you like one better than the other. That doesn't matter. It's just that, that the art is out there and it's, you know, holding value to these great artists. But definitely there should be Marvin Gaye. Um, definitely there should be a Luther Vandross. I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's some greats that, you know, even um, like your Gladys Knights and your Patti LaBelle, Shaka Khan, you know, who are still living, but they have such a history. I mean, whenever they make a Prince Bobby, like that's gonna be insane. Like I feel like that hasn't been made because Purple Rain is so like iconic that it, it's gonna be compared to it no matter what. No matter what. Even though it's not necessarily a biopic. No, it would be about his life. Is, yeah. But but I mean Purple Rain for you know, is just it is what it is. It's just a classic <laughs> classic. Now, is it the best movie ever? No. It's, does it have the best acting in it? How does no. it make you feel is what it is. It's, there we go. How <laughs> does the circle. art make you feel? Because you might be like, I'm a better actor than Prince. And that's fine. But can you give this feeling every time? Uh, I don't know. Like Every time they go into program, I'm just like, oh, oh. You know, like it just builds and builds and builds. He's like, yeah, there's some girls in the band. Or they wrote this song. I'm like. Yeah, Purple Rain. <laughs> like the biggest song ever. So, yeah, there's all these, those things that go into it. But I, either way, I'm going to support it. Like, I'm like, I want to see it. I want to see what it's about. Documentary, biopic. I think it's just 
great to see these legendary artists be honored in that way. For sure. You know, in, in talking about Prince, um, we've talked about Prince a lot in here, mm. but uh, I've never mentioned this before, but uh, you know Michael K. Williams? Yes. Okay, so he's known for playing Omar in the Wire. He's mm-hmm. known for playing these like tough, rugged, you know, uh, gangster mm-hmm. depictions. He was talking about when he saw Prince live, I think it was in Austin mm. during South by Southwest, that during one of the songs, he just had this kind of emotional, like, like catharsis mm. that he had to, he like, couldn't like watch anymore. He went off to the side to smoke a cigarette and Bokeem Woodbine was there. Another guy who's kind of not typecast, but yeah. plays these like rugged roles. Yeah. He's like, yeah, like we shared a cigarette and a cry together. That's how <laughs> Prince made us feel, you know? And it's like, and it was okay. And it was yeah. just fine. Cause we were in each other's company and we were consoling each other. And it was just, that's what Prince meant to us. Oh, wow. Like that. Yeah. When Prince passed away, there were, so many stories that came out, and you're like, what? And they're like, yeah, like, he invited me to this secret spot, called me off the secret phone, and, like, <laughs> he was there. He floated away. I'm like, what? But it's, I mean, again, the power of music and what it can do, you know, if, if Purple Rain was playing in front of me and Prince was literally in front of my face playing it, I mean, how, <laughs> the tears, you know, just like, <laughs> This is beautiful. This is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I love it. I love the idea of just people having all these different experiences with music and and how it just relates to people. And I know how I feel about certain artists. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just want to see you win and be great and because you're great and I love your music and I want to see you on tour now that things are opening up. So it's just that's really exciting, too. Yeah, my my favorite Prince story is Questlove was talking about how Prince had asked him to DJ a party. And mm. it's just like, I mean, Questlove is like the biggest fanboy. Yeah. And uh, he's so excited. He wants to impress Prince. <laughs> so he's kind of being a little diverse. And I think he said he started playing some Fela Kuti. And I love Fela Kuti, <laughs> but it's not very popular <laughs> in the realm of people going to a Prince party. Right. And after about three minutes, Prince went up to him. We had somebody go up to him. was like, hey, you can, you can just stop. And Questlove <laughs> was just like, what? He puts on Finding Nemo and everybody just watches Finding What? Nemo. Oh, I would be sick. <laughs> I would literally have to leave. I'm like, I'm sick. I think I was just canceled and Disney beat me out at this party. Like, I would just. But it's so on brand for Prince. Of course. At the same time. It's so like, funny. Uh, we're done with that. We're moving on. <laughs> uh, what? You know, you're just trying to catch up and he's already like. Mm. We're going to do this. (laughs) You were talking about, you know, being able to see, especially these iconic people live. I think the most iconic person I've ever seen was Little Richard played at uh, my college one year. And it was one of those things, like, I was part of the committee. I should say I went to the committee's meetings. I didn't do anything. I didn't contribute anything. I was just there to see who was going to play. And they were trying to get, you know, I don't even remember who they were trying to get, but they were looking at all these bands. And one day, this, this guy, the president of it was like, I've got an idea. It's kind of it's kind of unusual because this is 2007, 2008 or so. Okay. And uh, it's, like, it's kind of unusual, but just roll with me on it. And he said, like, let's get Little Richard. And we're like, yeah, sure. Like, wow. Just add it to our list of people we've seen. And, and it was amazing. I'm sure. It was, like, nonstop. Like, it, I go to a lot of shows now and I'm just kind of like, okay, play the song I like so I can yeah. go home. My <laughs> knees hurt. But my feet are hurting. <laughs> I don't think I thought of it. I mean, I was younger then, too. Yeah. But I don't think I thought about my feet the whole time. I was standing <laughs> up for three hours, you know. Sheesh. Yeah, little Richard. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just 
that's just iconic. You know, it's just iconic. There's never going to be another. Never, you know, it's like, that's why when these artists, you know, that I love are starting to do their farewell tours or things like that, I'm like, I got to find a way to be there. I just got to see him because it's like, I didn't get to see Whitney Houston. I didn't get to see Michael. I didn't get to see Prince. It's like, now if Beyonce comes, I'm going. Like, regardless, regardless of whatever, she's a legend. She's an icon. It's like, just to say that I saw her once, I'm going. That's it. You know, like, if, if Drake comes to town, I'm going to go. Because the truth is, he's a le- like he's going to go down in history as one of the greatest hip-hop artists of all time. So, it's like, that's kind of my, especially after COVID, it's like, oh, yeah. you got to just go. You got to go do it. Whatever you're wanting to do, you got to go do it. If you want to go see, you got to go do it. Because the world, just like that, can shut down in a day. So, it's just like, oh, my gosh. You just got to reframe and be like okay if it, if it's a big artist like whoever elton john's coming i'm I'm just gonna go yeah because who who knows you just don't know you think people are gonna live forever and be around that's how i felt like when aretha franklin passed away i was like aretha franklin passed away i've literally known of aretha franklin my entire life it's like how how like they're supposed to live forever yeah it's just how but yeah, I, I totally am with just going. Go, go see him. What's the most like iconic person you saw, or to you, most iconic to you that you saw live? I've seen John Legend live, which I'm a huge John Legend fan. And I, again, he's going to go down in history as one of the greatest R&B artists of all time. Um, and I was just blown away by him. And he's he sounds literally like the record, literally singing live. I'm like, this is insane. Like, Insane. And then, um, you know, Ordinary People comes on and the whole uh, the whole stadium is just like, yeah, this is it. Like, <laughs> this is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> it's just like, that's crazy that that song is just, it stands the test of time. Every time you hear it, you hear that karaoke, it's just like, Ordinary People, John Legend's classic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I like the... The stuff he did with the Roots, that Wake Up album is really good. That is one of my favorite albums ever. When I was in college, that CD came out, and I was like, "This, this." I didn't know that I needed this. Yeah. <laughs> but now that I have it, I can't get enough of it. I watched every video. Like I was like, "This is perfect." John Legend's voice, the Roots, their style, just remaking those Bill Withers songs, and just oh man. Yeah, literally me and my wife, that's one of our favorite albums. I don't think we were even dating then. But I was like, hey, I love I love that album too. <laughs> like that oh man, yes. I love, love, love that album. It's good. I, I, I just I'm a fan. There are certain actors where if I know they're in something, I'm gonna give it a shot. Sure. If the roots are attached to anything, I'm gonna give it a shot. I Fell in love with them after watching Chappelle's Block Party, mm-hmm. and that was like my introduction to. That was actually my introduction to Neo. So like wow. I knew the Fugees, I knew Lauren mm-hmm, Hill, but mm-hmm. I never dove into. I knew like the the hits. Sure, but um, but yeah, I think watching them perform. One, they're like the coolest people there, mm-hmm. and they're not even trying. Mm-mm. And two, they're just like, oh, I'm gonna play this soul song. Oh, I'm gonna play this hip hop song. Yep. Oh, you want to play some rock? Let's sure. go and do that too. They just everything. There's just the constant professional. And I think that is. 
you displayed on that album with John Legend. Like, there's moments where you're like, okay, this is Rocky. <laughs> and moments you're like, oh, this is soul. You know, like, it's just, it's so, it's, I love respecting the talent. You know, like, when people are really talented and they're just doing what they're supposed to do, like, I'm here for it. I'm rooting you on. I want you to win. Like, that's that's just the epitome of, like, just being an artist, like, in your lane, doing what you're supposed to do. And I love that, like, not just Questlove, but all of them are just, they're just scholars of music. And um, they were a big part of the reason why I started watching the Jimmy Fallon show. Mm. When they announced that Jimmy Fallon was, I had no, like, opinion on him. I was <laughs> like, yeah, like, he's kind of funny. And yeah. then, like, oh, the roots are Hispanic. Okay, I'm, I'm watching. Watch <laughs> yep. I'm watching immediately. And then, like, they have, like, guest artists who'll come in and, like, do the commercial breaks and stuff. I'm like... I'm watching it <laughs> just because the roots are playing and so-and-so saying, I'm watching it, you know, but I just love like, that's the impact of great artists. Like they make you do stuff that you wouldn't normally do. You listen yeah. to stuff you, I wouldn't normally listen to this, but because they're on it, I'm going to listen to it, you know, at least once or twice. So it's like the impact that music and creativity can have on people is just, is mind blowing. I love, like, I think I tweeted at Questlove one time. He didn't respond no, because this is a dumb question. But I was like, <laughs> are you guys ever going to put out, like, a greatest hits DVD of all your, like, favorite walk-ons? Because oh. <laughs> I would buy it. Right. I, I'm trying to give you my money. It's what I'm trying <laughs> to say. If you provide me with this product, I will give you my money. But there's so many artists like that. that you're just like, I love you, but give me more yeah. and and they don't <laughs> they do not my favorite artist uh is jasmine sullivan she's a r&b soul artist and she took like a she just came back from like a five six year break of making music like what was i supposed to do in those five <laughs> and six years ma'am i need music sure she's on like a feature here randomly but i'm like i need an album i need more music and she's like, yeah, um, I'm doing other stuff, and I'll get to it when I get to it. I'm like, uh but You're allowed it, to have a life. You need to give me. No, no. <laughs> you now belong in my Apple Music. Like, that is it. That's where you live. But, you know, it's, and then you have to come back to realize, like, these are people. Yeah. <laughs> they have lives. This is their job. Like, it's not their whole life. But, you know, it's just the, awesome when you're like, I love this artist so much, like, just whatever. I'll come. I'll come watch you. I'll come buy it. I'll listen to it. Like, I want everything you got because you just get, you give me that feeling. You give me that inspiration. It's like, man, be the artist, being an artist and having that, that flexibility and capability to really impact people's lives is pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I think that I have an appreciation for a lot of the, especially a lot of the 90s artists, um, from that era just because they don't rush things and yeah it can mm. be frustrating waiting five or six years but mm. it's worth it you know i would rather them do that than i, I was listening to a podcast about marvin Gaye putting mm. out his his alimony album for mm. motown mm -hmm. and how it was like loaded and like <laughs> everyone just like hated it and it was obviously like a big like middle finger to barry mm -hmm. gordy mm -hmm. and, and, and to anna his, his ex-wife <laughs> But um, but yeah, I, I think that I I I've now at the point, especially just because there's so much music out sure. there that I can I can fill in the gaps if I need to. That's very true. Yeah, I, I think it was different, you know, '90s, early 2000s because you had to go to the store and buy music. Music came out on Tuesdays. You had to go to Sam Goody, Best Buy, 
and physically go get a copy of it. So it's like, it's just totally different now. It's like, hey, I have a song coming out tomorrow. Okay, I'll download it. (laughs) You don't even need promotion. Like, you don't. You can uh, your favorite artist can be like it drops at midnight and you will go and download it and keep moving. It's like it's so different now. Whereas back in the day, yeah, it took people a couple years. They weren't like recording at home. They had to go to an actual recording studio who who had the means to actually create professional sounding music. But now I can I can honestly sit at home and make a whole entire album by myself. Yeah, and put it out. And be like, it drops at midnight. And that's <laughs> it, you know? So it's it's such a different world, and it's moving so fast. But, you know, a lot of those classic artists, they, they're still in that, I'm going to take a year, I'm going to go live some life, and then I'll come back and share what happened with me. Whereas, like, I mean, psh, we have kids now who are making music. I mean, they got so much music. They're just waiting to put it out. Oh, yeah. And it's like... I, well, also, I can't li- This is something that's bothering me. Is the like 20, 30 song albums? I can't do it. <laughs> it. I can't do it. It's too much. When Chris Brown came out with the 40 track album, I'm like, dude, what is what is the goal here? You know, like, is it really about the music is so great that you got 40, you know, great songs? Or is it like streaming numbers? Like, what is this really about? But, you know, I can appreciate, but also I don't want a Bruno Mars, like a nine song album. <laughs> That's where I'm like, mm, I think you're trying to get over on me. I love his diversity in terms of like how he can do these pop hits sure. and then he can work with different types of producers. And I mean, I love Mark Ronson. He's one of my mm-hmm. favorite producers. Mm-hmm. And when I saw there, I, I was like. I wouldn't say I was a fan of Bruno Mars, but mm-hmm. I appreciated him. Mm-hmm. And then the whole uh, I can, Uptown Funk. Uptown like, Funk. Mm-hmm. And then, so I buy that album and Mystical's on a track. And I haven't heard anything from Mystical in like 20 years. And there and like, he is. <laughs> and you got Bruno Mars, you got Mystical, and it just works. Insane. Like, that's insane. But it is interesting, like, a Bruno Mars who's really versatile and, and flexible. And, you know, has even written a lot of songs for pop and R&B. Um, and now you have Silk Sonic coming out, which we're still waiting for <laughs> the more music. Um, but it's it's just interesting when artists and I and I can definitely appreciate that about Bruno Mars. I just don't want a nine track album. Like <laughs> at least give me just give me a solid ten or you know twelve thirteen. I can work with that. So I don't want twenty five songs. I don't want nine. Just somewhere happy. <laughs> space 1314 um i'm good i'm good i won't bother you until the next couple <laughs> years when i'm like hey what you been doing need more music um uh, but yeah no i i think i think he i mean it's definitely when silk sonic goes on tour i'm gonna go you know it's like yeah. it's getting to a point where it's like if if they're coming you need to go because you just don't know you just don't know there's so, so many things that are unpredictable but it's like Bruno's iconic, you know, like adding Anderson Pack to that, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> like, and I'm excited to hear what they have. And Bootsy Collins is going to be uh, talking through it, narrate. I'm like, I'm all into it. Whatever. <laughs> I want to hear it. That's, I, mean, I know George Clinton and Bootsy kind of go mm-hmm. hand in hand, but he's another guy who, like, just I, take people on. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's always, it's always something that 
seems good at least. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't like it's not like he's just doing it for a paycheck. It, he doesn't need it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't need the money. They they're doing it because they really want to. Are they really you know dig this new artist and they're making it happen? And I'm like, and that's what I kind of like about Bruno taking Anderson in because I mean Anderson has been doing music for a long time, but he's just now kind of hitting that platform where. A lot of people are knowing him. He's doing commercials. So it's like, yeah, you know, Bruno to see him, take him in and like, you know, really elevate his career um, by creating this band. Like even that is Bruno as a contemporary legend, you know, is pretty dope, too. Yeah, definitely. Because Anderson Pack is, is definitely somebody who is, is has got a following, mm-hmm. but he's not at the level where you like you can just tell your mom, oh Anderson Pack, and she knows who you're talking right, about. Right? Yeah, you can you can be like, mom, Beyonce is on TV. Oh, oh Beyonce, <laughs> you know, like. But some folks like, uh, shoot, even some folks that my students tell me about, I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking <laughs> about. Like, not a clue. Or where are they on TikTok? I don't know. I don't know where they're at. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ha- are there any like younger one, like, younger people coming up that you are kind of following or or, or interested in? Yeah. Um. I would definitely say hers at the top of my oh, list. Yeah. I feel like she's a young legend in the making. She's a like a prince, you know, like she's from that tree. Um, but she just, she hits all the marks for me. Um, so her, I would say, um, I really get into Lucky Day. Um, he's an R&B, neo-soul artist. And um, I think he maybe has one album out. But I think he's really going to blow up. Um, definitely get into Giveon. He gives like a a different vibe and he has a different voice, you know, like nobody sounds like him, which is I think is is really good too. Um, I don't know, I don't listen to so many people, but those folks are probably at the top that I'm seeing like they're gonna be around for a while. Um, they're gonna be performing for a while, so we just gotta get used to them being on stage. Cause yeah. They're going to be out here for a while. I, I really, I think in general, I, I'm definitely, I, that's a bit of a blind spot. Um, Like to me, I was thinking like, oh, like I really like the internet, but they've been around for 10 years. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> so, They're not new. Yeah. <laughs> They're not really new. Um, Yeah. Like the, it's, it's interesting now, but, and I definitely, you know, like a lot of the pop artists as well, but some of them are, it's kind of hard to follow because they would be in and out, you yeah. know, like they'll have a great song and don't hear from them. Flavor of the week kind of stuff. Yeah. And then they pop up and they have another great song. Oh, and then they go away. So it's it's more difficult to follow those artists because they're just not as consistent. Um, un- unless like a Charlie Puth, but even Charlie Puth now is not new. He like, yeah. He's getting, he's got three, four albums in, you know? So it's like, dang, people are not new anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I I can never say because I always want to say DJ Khaled, but it's it's just Khaled, Khalid. Oh, Khalid, Khalid. yeah. Okay, he's yeah, he's newish. Yeah, he's also been around for three years, but he's also like, I think he just turned twenty one. Yeah, just turned super 20. young, super young. Like they're so young. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, like him especially. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he kind of grew up in El Paso, and he's very big on like community and. Mm. And and helping out, and uh, I, I think a lot of the younger generations are really mm-hmm. good about it. They are using their their celebrity to to help out, and that's I mean I think that's what it's all about because it's like you know especially if, for young artists like you're just hitting it, you're just like getting in your stride, and for you to go back and be like, but I'm also going to help out my community. I'm also going to provide 
scholarships or whatever and and sometimes that looks good pr wise but you know for those for those of them who are like no i really do want to do this it just says a lot you know that you understand that the opportunity that you have is like a huge blessing like one out of a million (laughs) make it you know make it so to give back to your community and, and invest in students or invest in music and education I think it's great. And and again, as an artist, you have so much influence. And especially in the age of social media, you have so much influence. It's just ridiculous. So I think it's important to kind of be on the up and up of those things and just be, you know, aware of the influence that you have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, I feel like Gen Z is obviously growing up in that they are the first generation to grow up in social media. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like, you know, millennials uh, kind of had to adapt to social media. Definitely. So uh, I, I think it's 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 mostly for the good. I, I think that I'm, I definitely don't ever want to reach a point where I'm like at the get off my lawn mentality. Where <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that young guy's got an album out and you know, I'm going to hate it just because he's, he's young. <laughs> you know? So some of the new music I don't necessarily understand, like a lot of the um, like some of the current hip hop folks, like I'm like, I don't necessarily understand what, like, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some like, uh, for example, little baby, like it's taken me a while <laughs> to be like, okay, I see where this is going. Cause when I first heard it, I was like, I don't know what this is. What is he talking about? But in the, re- in the past year or so, I'm like, okay, this is his style. This is just how he flows. I'm like, okay. I, I I can get it. I can see it now. Yeah. So it's just like it takes work because you're like, I, I I know this person is super popular, but I'm not sure why. <laughs> like, is it just because of how they look or what they do on social media, or is it that they actually have musical talent? Yeah, I I think uh, especially with like the younger generation is you know if there is a sense I I, I always come back to like the example and I hate using this term but I can't think of it what else to go like mumble rap quote mm-hmm, quote mm-hmm. and uh, how like people are just like you can't understand what they're saying it's like it's not about what they're saying it's about how they're saying it true and someone said that and I'm like oh it like a light bulb went off in my head that's very true because but it's interesting because the Migos I was like I like this yeah. like it didn't even phase me I was like. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about, but they're having a wonderful time. <laughs> and when I play it, I feel good. You know, like that's it. And then like other from like, I don't get it. Like I don't, I don't get it. But it in two being from the South, it's like certain things I just I'm like, oh, I don't have issue with this. You know, like anything that comes out of Atlanta, I probably don't have issue with yeah. it. Because <laughs> it's just southern and I'm like, oh yeah, this is fine. And like they're eating chicken wings in the video. Yeah. That's what I would be doing too. So <laughs> it's like it just it just makes sense to me. And then other other artists, I'm like, I don't get it. What what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I I think my coming from being in Texas mm-hmm. and um, you know I I kind of identified with with a lot of Houston rap. Mm-hmm. And I think my favorite like hip hop song of all time is uh, International Players Anthem. Oh my gosh, and classic. I, the sample, you know, the I choose you sample, mm-hmm. it just it just like puts a pin on everything. And I always look at that as like the culmination of like Southern hip hop sure. because you've got three six mafia producing it. It's a UGK, UGK. song featuring Outkast. And I, I love bringing up Outkast because they are as as revered as they are, mm-hmm. they're still underrated. 
it's so sad. It's sad. But and I think the industry is still somewhat of a numbers game. You know, like how many albums do you have? How many Grammys do you have? How many number one, you know, whatever's and it's like, but Outcast is just Outcast. That's like Lauren Hill. Yeah. The miseducation of Lauren Hill is is just classic. She doesn't have more she doesn't have a lot of you know, it's like, but if you take that body of work, if you removed that body of work, oh yeah. What would have happened to music? What would have happened to the D'Angelo's and you know, like how would that have been received if that album didn't exist? Though it's just one, you know, yeah. like the one in, in truly her greatest album. So it's just so it's just interesting, but I think you have to have that kind of like perspective on it. It's like, well, take take Outcast out of the equation. What would Southern hip hop be? You know, like what would hip hop in general. Be? Exactly. Yeah. You take Bun B and, yeah. and Pimp C out of this equation. Like, it's no, yeah, yeah. It's frustrating. <laughs> You're just <laughs> like, you have to you have to take it for what it is and be like. This is what is important, and it needs to be recognized. Unfortunately, it's you know not as revered as it should be. But I I agree. I love that song. It just everything about it says South. Yeah, <laughs> it says Houston. It just it just it's just perfect. And every one of their voices is so different, and it it just it added it throw in a little bit of chopped and screwed in there and I, I think that might have been some people's outside of Texas outside yeah. of the South's first time yeah, really hearing, hearing it yeah <laughs> but it's just like yes this this is right <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything about this is right the verses the flows the beat the sample like the video everything about it is just perfect I think it w- people always talk about you know the top five rappers and the people who are like really knee deep into hip hop always have Andre on there. Sure, and that's nothing against like Big Boy is up there too. But mm-hmm. Big Boy will be the it'll be the first to say, "Oh, the other is better." Mm-hmm. But the way Andre just like goes around, like he's not like bar, bar, bar. It's bar connected to the bar. Mm-hmm. Like the way he manipulates sentences, how he says the words, and it's perfect. It's fluid. It doesn't sound awkward Mm-mm. until you try it yourself. You're like, this is this is just for him. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to do Miss Jackson one time at karaoke and I bombed. You're like, oh, I'm like, this is hard. Yeah, I was, I think I was like ready to quit like midway. I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> I would hate me if I was you guys watching me right now. And I mean, that's the beauty of art. You know, it's like Andre 3000. He doesn't have the numbers, but he he has the creativity. He has the voice. He has the feel. And it's just right. Right. You're going to always put him at the top. Um, you're going to put him in there with the Jay-Z's and the Nas and the Biggie's and whatever. He's just, he's always going to be there. Kendrick Lamar's. Because, again, you take Andre 3000 out and you don't have Kendrick Lamar. Like, you don't have people like that that, that are is palatable to the, to the mainstream. You got to have Outkast. You got to have Andre. So it's just interesting, but I think it's just a perspective of it. It's like, is it all about the numbers? The numbers do say something, but it's not everything. He's he's an artist, and I I love how people will just randomly post videos of him, like, playing flute in an airport. Or the mall, and like he plays bass clarinet on a few. And that's the that's the instrument that I played in oh, high school. Wow. I'm like, 
why couldn't it just been cool like 10 years ago? <laughs> I was like carrying my instrument around. <laughs> like That's how I felt. That's how I felt about Glee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, High School Musical. And what was, there's something that's been recent, but it was like people singing in the hallway. People, I was like, I was in choir all those years. And everybody was like, oh, yes, choir. Okay. <laughs> and then I graduate and Glee comes on. And everyone's like, Wow, people singing and dancing. I was like, we've been doing that all these years. But it just takes the right moment, the right time for something to happen. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is great. I don't I don't have any problems with yeah. this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so um, do you have anything, uh, can I bring it back to Marvin? Do you have anything sure. fun to say about, you know, about the song, about the album? I think, um, I think. I just, I love it too because it's like game changer, you know, like it really now propelled him into a different space of not just being able to do like the love songs and all that, but it's like the the substance of of the lyrics, you know, can come across in this soul music style, you know, it, it doesn't have to be just hit factory Motown music. We can do other kinds of things and just, you know, expand our, our range of R&B soul music of black people of, you know, the music that we make. It, it doesn't all have to be the cookie cutter formula, you know, which Barry Gordy, you know, kind of pulled from the white artists of the time and then put it, you know, with Motown. And then I just love how it kind of just, breaks away to like a mercy mercy me and you know what's going on it's like whoa that that's still motown yeah still motown still soul still r&b um but just has a different impact and i think that's just like you know like i said before something that i aspire to in my music is just to make sure that i keep keep the soul keep you know keep the r&b but make music that is goes through different generations like like i said earlier i said you can sing what's going on anywhere yeah anytime any group of ethnic group doesn't matter everyone knows it you know so everyone has a familiarity with it so it's just interesting and i I love that that, what that song does and like i said i just always keep it on my set list because it just always touches somebody yeah, I, I think uh, just to kind of to close that out, so exactly what you're saying, Rolling Stone magazine has two lists, the top 500 songs mm. and the top 500 albums of all time. Mm. The, t- uh, the 500 songs, what's going on is fourth. Wow. On the albums, it's number one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and people didn't want him to put out that yeah. album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to, it's just, it's just a great example of what it means to be an artist, you know, like, even people like, no, or oh, I don't know. It's like, if you believe in it, you believe in the art that you're doing, you got to be brave enough to push through. You got to have the courage to be like, I don't care. Even, yeah. if it, even if it doesn't work, at least I did it. You know, I held on to my convictions and, you know, look where it got them. Like, the number one album, they feel. You yeah. know, like the number four song, you know, ever. Like, that's amazing. But it just takes, like, that push to be courageous enough to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, this was fantastic. I, I 
I don't know how much time has gone by, but it's been yeah. it's been great. Just just talking about music and you know, it's just it's fun. And again, thank you guys for having me. For sure. Do you have anything to plug right now? Um, right now, uh, I have an EP out um, entitled "Let Go," uh, which is a seven track EP that's on all streaming platforms. Um, so you can check that out. I have uh, three singles that came out this year, um, and I'll be working on my uh, album. Uh, which hopefully will be released in the fall. Um, so, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at John, J-O-H-N underscore Darius B um, to keep up with me and music projects and performances. Awesome. Yes, sir. All right. Well, coming up next, we've got Jay Darius covering Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? 